0: everyone and welcome to episode 438 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Seth, Fred Olive, and we have a small crew here this week. It was a Command Fest weekend. Krim is still traveling home from his Command Fest. His flight got delayed, so no Crim this week, but I'm joined by the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this fine Monday, Richard? Good morning, Seth.
1: I, I watched... I watched Lord of the Rings Light this weekend, a.k.a. Dungeons & Dragons movie. Oh, how was it? <laughs> Is that movie actually, it's actually good? actually really good. Uh, I, I, if, yeah. if they could make a magic equivalent of that, I'm all down. But it was actually really well done. I was actually quite shocked that... <laughs> Hasbro put together this movie. <laughs> I I haven't seen it, but I saw
0: it got great reviews to the point where I'm almost tempted to watch it, even though I don't usually watch that kind of movie. So,
1: yeah, maybe we'll get it's a magic It's so good. Version. I actually want to watch Lord of the Rings now. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> this, this is some great fantasy stuff. Let's go watch the Lord of the Rings. Let's watch the
0: real one. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, Lord of the Rings, that's one of our one of our topics today. We got a bunch of, like, kind of smaller topics. We want to talk about the One Ring. We want to talk about the new Ambassador Program. Uh, someone asked me at the Magic Con this weekend if Universes Beyond is a new reserve list, which I think is a cool topic. Uh, some alchemy news, some tournament news, Orkish bowmaster. We're just going to be jumping all over the place today. Some standard news. Before we get into all that, though, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit, and Card Conduit's the easiest way to sell your magic cards. And if you ever get tired of the hassles that go into buy listing, Card Conduit lets you skip them. You can use our curated service and send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more, and pay just a 5% service fee. And if you want to do a bit of work, you can use their Sorted Service where you list and sort your cards ahead of time and pay just a 2% fee. And no matter which one you choose, you're going to get a detailed report with the results and a fast payment once your order is processed, and you can even get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish. Cardconduit, they're the easiest way to sell your Magic cards. And if you're looking to play some Magic, Magic It See is the ultimate way to play Magic the Gathering. You can join players from all around the world for this unique tournament on one of the most immersive cruise ships in the Caribbean. Featuring Commander in a sealed event, you'll have chances to win prizes from a huge prize pool and make new friends, all while enjoying a six-night Caribbean vacation. The ship sails on March 17th, 2024, and space is limited, so check out magicatsea.net today to find out more details. So thank you to magicatsea.net for supporting the show, and let's talk, uh, let's talk some magic. So Richard, let's start. Let's start with the Lord of the Rings stuff. I think uh, our list is a little out of order here. So the big topic. This is Lord of the Rings release weekend. I was thinking I was going to go to the the Command Fest and someone would open the One Ring there and everyone would like clap and cheer. Uh, that didn't happen. Apparently, there's been many people who have said they've opened the One Ring. There's been a lot of Reddit posts and Twitter posts of like fake One Rings. What do you think about this whole One Ring serialized card scenario, Richard?
1: I don't know. I knew this would happen <laughs> that people would just fake posts everywhere. And how do you know if the one ring has actually been opened or not? Do you do you still go buy collector boosters? I guess at this point, so many fake postings are up that yeah. uh, you just ignore them all. But if only one person had faked it, it might actually be realistic enough for people to believe. <laughs> but at this point. You have to prove it, and I don't know how you would prove it. Like Wizards has to come out and say, like, "Hey, surprise! Like this is the way you can tell, and you have to show it." But then the minute they do that, everyone will run to their printer and print <laughs> whatever yeah. marker they indicated. So unless you're gonna roll up to someone's house with a loop and check their one ring, like you, you <laughs> yeah. can't tell, right? For how how do we know? Are not
0: buying one at least, right? Yeah. Like, how how do we know? Like, we're, there's no way of knowing. Like, it's such a weird scenario because we don't even know. It could have been opened by now. I, one of the most popular topics at the Command Fest is what you would do if you open the One Ring. And a lot of people said they would just hold it and they wouldn't tell anyone, like, for a few years. Like, it's possible someone has already opened it and just, like...
1: It cash is, it in for two point five million, Seth. So, why are you holding I mean, on to a piece of cardboard? <laughs> if you if you were a vendor, you might hold on to it. A normal person, I mean, would you actually hold on to it? I wouldn't.
0: I wouldn't hold on to it. No, there's no chance. But like, I don't know. I could see some people holding on to it. Like if you like not lost the money, how yeah. Much money I guess you got he, in the bank right. <laughs> you're yeah, not gonna like, take a,
1: a guaranteed like two million. <laughs> like right here, you're gonna hold and hope. It becomes yeah. five million in the future.
0: <laughs> I would, I would get out of it so fast. Like I would, I would sell it. Uh, I think I heard two point five million is a going offer. I've seen definitely two million plus like a trip to Spain, and that's euros. So I guess it's actually more than two million US because of the like exchange rate. I would sell it like so quickly. But even the other like serialized cards from this set are kind of going wild. Uh, one of the the soul ring sold already, right, Richard? How much did the the soul ring go for?
1: Uh, so there is a the soul ring was thirteen thousand uh, dollars on auction on on Facebook and it is the one of 700 soul ring. so it's actually a special number soul ring so. Thirteen thousand is a good chunk of change for opening a but, collector booster and i think that's the
0: most common of the serialized soul rings i'm pretty sure it was 300 500 700 but uh, but i know star city games opened the rarest one not a special number the like x of 300 and they had it listed i think for twelve thousand. so those cards are actually like super expensive as well do you think this is like good for magic like is it good for the game is it good for players is this i don't know is it weird (laughs) it's so different than anything we've seen before not just the wondering but like these super scarce super expensive serialized cards in general like is this a positive
1: i didn't like it before this happened (laughs) It, it makes magic sound like such a scam Right, like it was already bad enough explaining to people that your your modern deck was two thousand dollars, and they're like, what? <laughs> right? Now you're yeah. like, well, wow, did you hear about that like three million dollar piece of cardboard they just mm-hmm. printed tomorrow? Right, like they they just printed it today, which I think people will not believe. Like, if you tell someone there is this item that was made in like 1920. And everyone threw it away, right? Like, you you could pass a Black Lotus off as valuable. Yeah. But I think normal people will not really believe, and I I don't believe either, actually, (laughs) that, like, a card that was printed, like, literally, like, a couple months ago demands this value. So, I don't know. I don't really like it. But if it. Keeps our game going? I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, is it better than, than Hasbro folding over? Sure. But I, I worry we're entering a new bubble phase here, right? Like, are they gonna stop the serialized cards? Probably not. Right? Are we gonna see another one of one? I would be shocked if we didn't get another one of one uh in the near future. So Oh, I I would too. You know they're gonna I
0: mean this I think from Wizard's perspective has had to have been a success. Everyone's talking about it. it's a huge conversation. Yep. It got in the mainstream news. How could you not keep doing that from their perspective? I think the serialized card thing, it was interesting. I was kind of just wandering around the event hall this weekend, and someone tried to sell a serialized Elishnorn to one of the vendors. And the vendor offered him, I think, like 800 bucks or something, and they wanted way more than that. And the vendor yeah. like, actually had a big conversation. It was like, I do not want to hold these cards, and I don't think players should want to hold these cards. It's something we've talked about in the past of like, they're going to keep printing the new cool thing. So even if Elysion is like the hot new cool thing now, six months from now, there's going to be something else. There's going to be a one ring. There's going to be whatever is an L That's going to be the hot new cool thing. So long-term from the perspective of of this vendor, at least they see the serialized cards as like something. If you do open one, you should get out of them right away. Why the, (laughs) the getting's good. And why the hype is hot, because there's always going to be that next big hype thing. And I think that's actually pretty good advice. Like, I don't know. Do you think this is a safe thing to hold on to? Like not even the one ring, like would you hold on to serialized cards because they're you know never going to be printed again, or would you just get out of them?
1: So on one hand, I imagine myself like go back five years and someone cracked like a a one a one of one Tarmogoyf. Imagine how elated they would be. And then yes? fast forward to twenty twenty three, you're like, well, that's like a bulk rare that no <laughs> one plays anymore. Uh, <laughs> but on the other hand, this is a soul ring. I, I can't imagine soul ring being power crafting commander ever yeah but it's true i can't imagine them continually printing new versions though right like because they keep printing soul rings every day like what's the next franchise that's hype like what if star wars comes to magic and there's a one-on-one star wars star wars soul ring does that rival the lord of the rings soul ring i don't know right what if there's like so lord of the rings is pretty high up on like nerd culture stuff but yeah. you can imagine, like, what if there's a one-on-one Superman ring or something? I, I don't know, right? So they can keep doing these? <laughs> and where where would the one ring stack up over time? And how many... Either... So at the end of the day, like, LGSs are buying them or, or collectors are buying them to flip or something, right? But, like, how, like, at the end of the day, someone needs to actually want it. How many Post Malones are there to buy... <laughs> your multi-million dollar one (laughs) ring, right? Like if if SEG buys it, they're buying it with the intent of selling it to someone, right? At a higher price, obviously. But like how many of those people are there? Are we going to get Bill Gates and Elon Musk to start playing Magic the (laughs) Gathering? Like who's buying all these?
0: Yeah, how many many Magic players are there that even would have the ability to buy a $2 million magic card. Like that's a very, very, you know, 1% of the 1% type of situation. Yeah. I think it gets even worse with magic, uh, magic specific cards. Like, and we've kind of talked about this before, but I opened that worm coil and I was pretty happy to get rid of that because I, there's no guarantee. There won't be an even cooler worm coil. Like the Kalidash invention worm coil was like the most blinged out best version. And then they printed the, the serialized version, and even though they won't ever print that exact serialized version again. There could definitely be another worm coil that's even rarer and even scarcer, or like you said, maybe it goes tarmogoyf and no one cares about worm coil anymore because just because power crept out of the game. So, yeah, I kind of lean towards I kind of lean towards just getting rid of them myself. Like if I open the one ring, I would I would be selling that so quickly. Speaking of finance stuff, Richard, something came up at the Magic Con that I think was interesting. Is someone said that they thought. The Lord of the Rings set and these universes beyond cards are essentially the new reserve list. And their thinking was wizards probably didn't have the ability to reprint these cards, like because they're interacting with someone else's IP and they have someone else who has a say in this kind of stuff. Can they even reprint Frodo in a, if they want to in the future or Gandalf? Do they even have the ability to do that? What do you think of that? Their theory was. I should be buying these cards now because everyone loves Lord of the Rings, and I don't think Wizards can reprint these cards. So we have this new pseudo-reserve list. Do you think that's an actual consideration? Like, should we be snapping off Lord of the Rings cards why they're
1: cheap because they're going to be impossible to reprint? So game, uh, game piece-wise, Wizards has said that they can always print, you know, non-IP uh, exclusive cards so like you know they, they make the magic version of frodo but you, you probably don't want that right you probably want yeah. real frodo i i if, if this set is a su- like a success i can see wizards coming back and like printing another round and maybe they have to open re- you know they have to renegotiate with lord of the rings estate or whatever the token estate but i imagine if this is a success that we will see more of it um but how long in the future is that we don't know right there there are more weirdnesses with it it's not like magic where if a car's popping off they just like make a secret layer next week right like they yeah. probably can't do that but if frodo really is that popular you can come back and get it but at the same time like I, I hear a lot of like fomo right like after this like initial frenzy of people buying frodo how many more people will buy frodo like how many more like new lord of the rings people will come in and like snatch up frodo uh I, I would imagine the price of Frodo trends down over time, right? Unless Frodo's actually, like, busted like for, like, regular play. But, like, as a flavor card or something, like, I would imagine they trend down over time. So I'm not sure I would be FOMOing into Lord of the Rings at this exact moment. Unless you think it's the next Prosper or, or, or something or, or, like that, right?
0: Right. Like, actually, just an underrated card. Yeah, Ledger yeah. Treader or something. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, I would assume the big rush of Lord of the Rings fans is now. Like, I can't imagine too many Lord of the Rings fans are going to, like suddenly realize Magic has a Lord of the Rings set a year or two from now. I think this is, like, the big hype, the big advertising push. Everyone's talking about it. So I think you're right that those people probably are going to be the next, like, few months. And then I think it's important to remember, too, we already know there's a holiday release, which we don't even know what that is, but there's already some sort of, like re-release happening around christmas time or holiday season this year so i would definitely wait until after that at least like i wouldn't be in a hurry to snap off these cards now because we already know there's a reprint on the horizon so long term i think it is true that these cards are going to be difficult to reprint uh and I think you almost see that with some of the cards if you look at some of the cards we are most excited about for modern like stern scolding or the the white remand reprieve I think it is whatever it's called like they're very generically named like those cards wizards can just swap out the art and stern is not a Lord of the Rings thing you can just swap off the art and the flavor text put on some magic thing and reprint it so I think that they actually like kind of took steps to be able to reprint some of those uh, the cards that they think think are going to be best in modern so long term maybe it's true that these cards are going to be difficult to reprint but i would definitely wait until until next year probably after the holiday release to really go deep on them if that's something you're considering so any uh, other lord of the rings I got stuff a question for you yeah, yeah I, got,
1: I got two forbidden words that we're never allowed to utter and <laughs> that is reserve list yeah so so there, there there's been talk about the legitimacy of the reserve list, so so when you buy, you know, when you buy the one of seven hundred ring or whatever, your concern is what if they like print it again in the future, right? Like the maybe the art, uh, mm-hmm. maybe maybe not even that, but maybe just like you know showcase cards, like maybe like the Elish Norn Phyrexian mana thing. They turned around and reprinted that Judge promo, which was super expensive as like a, a special thing, yeah, uh, in the, in a newer set, and uh, that that tanks collector confidence, right? Like, I mean, even on this podcast, we're sitting here like, uh, I wouldn't hold these serialized cards, right? That's not good for uh, collector value. And the initial intent of the reserve list is to make a promise to never reprint these cards so that they will maintain their value. And the big problem with that was that they locked game pieces behind that, right? So like, you know, pieces you needed to play the game were locked behind the reserve list. So today we cannot have easily accessible dual lands. What if you locked art behind the reserve list? Or what if you locked special treatments? Like, we will never make a foil-etched Pyrexian Elish Norn ever again. Is that a legitimate use of the reserve list, Or are we so traumatized that we will never go there ever again, Seth?
0: I would. So I would try to negotiate with wizards and be like, hey, if you get rid of the original reserve list, what if we do this new art reserve list? Like, that I could definitely get behind. I mean, actually, though, That would be fine, right? Like, uh, honestly, so my opinion on this is always, I want the game pieces to be accessible. I want people to be able to play Magic. That's my issue with the reserve list. It's not that they're trying to support collectors because... Honestly, as much as collectors get kind of trashed by the community sometime and like have this reputation of like making the game more expensive, that is a part of the game. Like part of the reason why Magic has succeeded for 30 years is they are collectible and there are cards that have value. And that's part of what keeps people buying these cards. So I don't think that's a a negative overall. I would be a 100% fine with a art reserve list or a special foil treatment reserve list or like... Secret Lair Reserve List, if they want to take specific pieces of art, that's perfectly fine. Actually, I think that would be probably a positive in a lot of ways. Assuming wizards would make sure that the like the base version, the cheap normal version was accessible for people to play. If they want to make thousand dollar Frexian Norns, as long as there's a five dollar Norn that I can jam in my commander deck, go for it by all means.
1: Upon further thought, this is a, probably a bad idea <laughs> because so when you introduce this, there's going to be a lot of like pushback and who's like, oh, reserve list is back, right? there a lot of confusion. And I'm not sure that payoff is worth it because, yes, you guarantee that there's no further printings of Elish Norn, but you can't guarantee Elish Norn is meta. So if we go to the reserve list, there's a lot of terrible, terrible cards that you would never play on the reserve list today and that you don't even know about because they suck right? The only ones we care True. about are the good ones. And how, like, can you guarantee that Elish Norn will be good in five years? Like, there, there's no way, right? Uh, so I I feel as a collector, it still doesn't instill the right confidence in you. So you might as well not do this and cause all the commotion in the meantime. I mean, gameplay-wise, you're right, but I think Fraxie and Elish Norn will still be cool
0: in five years. Like, isn't that just all... like? even if Ellis Jordan is not as played, like, that treatment's still gonna be sweet, right? Or no? Do you think, like, okay, okay. is it completely okay. dependent let, let, on gameplay? Let's, game let's use our time
1: machine again, Seth. Let's go back 10 years. <laughs> and Wizards makes full art lands. And they promise to never use that Zendikar frame ever again. Mm. Do you think those cards maintain any value? <sighs> So, wait, so with this, they've come a long way now, right? Everything is full art now. There's like many frames, there's many different foiling treatments, right? So, just a plain Jane foil, you know, full art land from Zendikar using that exact frame is no longer special. So, I, yeah, that's that is
0: very true. I mean, are we wrapping up at the time? It was
1: still special, right? It was, it was like, ooh.
0: But now there's so many different versions, and that's kind of what we were talking about with, like, the worm coil thing and the serialized cards. Like, sure, maybe they won't reprint that exact version, but that doesn't mean they won't reprint an even cooler one or a slightly different one, which maybe... Does that mean serialized cards are the best way to instill this confidence? Like, is that the most wizards can do? There are only 300 of this in existence. There will never be more of these have it, collectors. Like, maybe that is... If <laughs> the goal they is they to instill confidence. Enough,
1: like, they got a problem. Like, every year we only make... 300 serialized cards, period. Mmm. Right? Because oh, be, if, yeah. they, if they start adding serialized cards in every set or something, you're like, well, this is not special anymore. Like, I, I hear people talking about um, sports cards where they watch, like, a stream and people are cracking serialized cards, like, every second, and they're all yeah. worthless because the, apparently they've gone overboard in the sports world. Uh, but, so to prevent that, you need a reserve list <laughs> for the number of serialized cards. <laughs> so if you can only print, like, 500 serialized cards a year, Period. Then maybe they're actually restricted, but this sounds all very like yeah. House of Cardsy, right? Like they it screw does, up yeah. once, and, it's and, like so... it's all over, right? So I, I don't know. Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, it is kind of bubbly, isn't it? I wonder. Like we're at the, we gotta be at the peak, right? Nothing's gonna top the one of one run ring. Like, do you think is this is this the pinnacle of like magic collectibility, and it's all downhill from here because? How do you like kind of like Raghavan <laughs> in modern? Like, how do you print something that tops the two and a half million dollar one ring? Like, maybe maybe that's where how do you power creep it? How, uh, I don't know if they can.
1: <laughs> they they got to power creep it before the bubble breaks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It. <laughs> yeah. I, uh. I mean, Lord of, like like I said, Lord of the Ring, like uh, of crossover IPs, Lord of the Rings might be one of the top.
0: Oh, it's gotta the be top
1: ones, right? It's gotta be, yeah. What else? What can be higher than that, like pop culture wise?
0: Especially connected to magic, like especially, for stuff yeah, that actually works feels, in the like, fantasy in the setting.
1: Like, yeah, there's, there's,
0: there's nothing that's on that level. I don't think, like, not, not even especially close. So,
1: geez, yeah, so maybe, maybe it does warrant its price tag. Maybe this is it. Like, maybe the bubble pops. This is the only. We've last reached the top. Ever. Yep. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, but I mean. If you want wizards to proceed as a company, this can't be their top, right? They gotta they gotta they gotta come up with a better top, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean that's that is true. Well it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. It's all just so new and yeah, I mean the numbers are big, uh, so it'll be it'll be very, very
1: interesting. Uh Richard, Wait, we got- so did, some- did anyone open a serialized ring while you're at Magic Fest though? Like, mm. like was it we imagined someone opens it and then everyone crowds them and then y'all get COVID together and go home. Like, like what exactly happens?
0: There, no, there, so someone, there was someone uh that opened a serialized, one of the soul rings and the story yeah. was actually pretty funny. They, apparently, I didn't see this live. I was, I heard the story after the fact from someone else was there. So the dude buys a collector booster box, cracks it open, gets like 80 bucks of cards, buys another one, cracks it open, gets like a $100 worth of cards, buys another one. So he's like $1,500 in, cracks, <laughs> cracks the Cracks his soul ring, flips it to a vendor for like two thousand dollars or something. The, it was the the cheapest of the the serialized soul rigs. Flipped it to a vendor and like ended up getting his money back. And I that's the end of the story. Wait, I don't wait, know. Maybe you, he, he kept he going back only to
1: broke even after basically
0: he, he after he three boxes. Like he no more God. or less broke even. Yeah, by by finally hitting one. So yeah, that's that's the best open that I heard about at the command fest I was at. That's like I won
1: the lottery, but it was like five dollars. <laughs>
0: like, like, I mean that's that's really oh i i know people like that they win 500 bucks in the lottery and don't connect that they spent like two thousand bucks buying lottery tickets to get that 500 bucks and they feel like they won i was like no dude you didn't you didn't actually win that's not how math works but (laughs) oh okay richard i got i got another topic for you this was a big topic a couple of days ago watsy has launched a new program the magic the gathering ambassador program uh this was the launch was a little weird because there was a bunch of like creators that were like posting about it on so Social media, but Watsy wasn't saying anything. But eventually, they posted an article about the ambassador program.
1: Richard, what a what is this ambassador program? I don't know, Seth. It's where <laughs> it's where Wizards gives out money to people, but they're not very like transparent. About, like they they tell you how, but like there's a lot of caveats. And there was a bunch of uproar about like uh you know they they only restricted it to NA. Uh, yep. You know, U.S. based, right? And, you know, that didn't make people happy. People like, what are their criteria for getting in? Uh, but it's essentially their their marketing arm, right? Like their official marketing arm to reach content creators to help them promote the Game of Magic the Gathering. And it happens to be a little more transparent than their normal marketing. Like they didn't give us the budget for buying, you know, Twitch embeds for, you know, whatever <laughs> their, their thing true. was, right? But in this case, you see the creators are going to... But, you know, anytime there there's kind of free money involved, people kind of get upset if they don't get some of that, right? So there was kind of a little back and forth there. But the biggest thing was why they restricted it to North America only. That, that was a big question mark there. Uh, but they said, you know, they're working on it. So whatever that means, right? <laughs> and by money, I think it actually
0: means like, free cards and so forth. As far as what I've read and free heard cards, from everyone,
1: Exposure.
0: Yeah, there's no there's no actual cash changing hands from from what anything has been said about the program. So it's it's cards and exposure and that kind of stuff. Do you think this is a positive for creators? I think that's one like the anything, obviously awkward, especially since if you read their article, it's all about like how they want to be inclusive and have people from all different kinds of content creation in the program. And then like they limited it just to North America, so you have this whole huge world of creators that is not part of the program, at least for 2023. At least that will probably change in the future. Is this a positive? Like, if you were a creator, is this something
1: you jump on? Yes, I mean that's better than nothing, right? So, like, you you get product, uh, you get invited to events, and you basically get some form of Wizards support. Right. And this comes with a caveat. Right. This comes with the caveat that you you're an ambassador for the brand now. Right. You are kind of indirectly working for them, Uh, which means so they they say you can say negative things. But like, you know, if you're just constantly dunking on them, (laughs) like obviously it doesn't behoove them to invest in you, to promote you to keep on dunking on them right so you know you you kind of need to be a a wizard shill uh to join even though it's not explicit right but it's kind of part of the agreement right the agreement is they are helping you out and you are supposed to help them out by promoting their game right so yeah for most for like most creators that is the correct thing right now if you're a big creator or something like maybe the restrictions Uh, you know, are actually working against you. Like, you know, maybe you have to go to X events a year, right? And then maybe that actually takes away from what you're actually doing, right? Or you have to play these certain type of ads during your stream and maybe it's more profitable to play other ads or something, right? So, you know, as a bigger creator, it it becomes, uh, you know, a business decision, right? You got to figure it out. But as a smaller creator, I think it's all upside, right? Like you can't bash wizards, but... Why are you bashing wizards and then asking them for free stuff? Right. So uh,
0: I would be so nervous about like uh, wizards having some sort of say in the content that I would make or something. That's the part that would make me nervous. Not that it, not that it wouldn't be worth it. It's probably still uh still worth it for most people. But the idea that I would like make content and then have to have a meeting with Watsy for them to like critique that content and go over it and tell me like what they liked or didn't like. That that is the part that. I would be like, ah, I don't, I don't think it's, I want Watson to have that power. That,
1: right? Like they 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 say they don't control your content and you can be critical if you want, right? But like what ends up happening, let's say they're actually paying your rent, right? Like let's say you you require going to these events and getting these free products to make your content. Uh, and then what would happen is let's say next year you're up for renewal. Right? If if you say negative things or whatever, <laughs> you you may not be up for renewal even though you weren't explicitly terminated or you know, like there, there's that kind of they're not directly punishing you, but they could indirectly punish you by not renewing. So th- I, I think there's that kind of line you need to walk. How, how does
0: this uh, impact something like 30th anniversary edition? Do you think like how do you how do you handle that? Like that's the other part that was kind of funny to me is like. Wizard has been kind of trash lately. Pinkerton's 30th anniversary edition, <laughs> the D&D rule changes, and then it's like this ambassadorship thing. Like, how, how would you as a creator in the ambassadorship handle some of those situations? I know Wizards is saying you can be critical, but still, like, I don't know. How do you walk that line? It seems like a, like a very tough line to
1: actually walk in practice. You walk the line with everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> herd, herd protection if everyone in the ambassador pro, uh, program like trashes on 30th anniversary they can't probably inspire slave. everyone yeah days, right? <laughs> <There you laughs> but if you're the only one then they're like oh this year <laughs> there's one less spot you know like what are we gonna do there's budget cuts i'm sorry man like it's not related to that but you know right like so it's it's kind of it's kind of that but I think it's, like, very... You're looking at the very bad side, right? Like, most of the time, you're saying positive things. You're playing a game. You enjoy. You're making content for it. And you're getting some perks and kickback. So, I yeah. think, like, most of the time, it's, like, fine. Right? And hopefully, I mean, they're I'm, reasonable, too, right? Like, they, they know that... Well, you know, when They do... <laughs> Watsy reasonable people are, gonna, <laughs> people are gonna make comments so they should let the odd one slip right yeah
0: i mean I'm, I'm thankful to see watsy supporting the creator community like i i don't know about the details it's not i don't think i would personally want want to have to deal with it because i just like being able to say what i want to say and i have to think about it but uh, i'm glad to see wizards doing something because there are a lot of people that spend a lot of time and a lot of effort to like support the game and grow the game and make great content and i'm really happy for all those people that are being able to get this official support and like when it comes down to it like uh, being able to pay their rent potentially like all that stuff is like uh, very very helpful so i'm glad to see like some concrete steps towards supporting the creator community even if i have some some questions about the details which are still a little bit a little bit sketchy hasn't been fully fleshed out but Anyway, that's the, that's ambassador program. Oh, Richard. So this is a topic that came up on the arena subreddit this week, and it's become timely again because of the Lord of the Rings set. So Lord of the Rings is uh, going to arena, but it's only legal in alchemy and then historic. And so the question is, why do so many players dislike alchemy? Like, so we're a year and a half into, into alchemy. Why, why is alchemy? Just as a refresher, because one of the themes of this Lord of the Rings set is new players coming into the game. That was another one of uh, the next question, actually. What do you say to new players who are coming into the game? Cause we have a lot of people that are like, I, I love Lord of the Rings. I want to check out magic. I played magic 20 years ago. This Lord of the Rings set caught my eye. I want to try it again. So uh, why, why is alchemy such a controversial thing in the magic community?
1: If we do the answer to that, we could fix Magic Arena, Seth. <laughs> so, so so one thing is old-time Magic players hate change, right? That's and, true. And so that that's one aspect. Like, the online community is a lot of, like, kind of enfranchised Magic players. And, you know, they complain about everything. Uh, that's just part of the community. So I think part of it is that. But for me personally, it's how poorly designed alchemy seems to be. Like, it it seems to be, like, this bolt-on project that they did for, like, two weeks after each set release. Mm. Whereas, like, Magic as a whole, like, there should be a lot of testing, a lot of design, and it should be fluid. But just the way they rolled it out, it just seems like they made digital cards for the sake of making digital cards, and then they slapped them on and called it a day. Uh, Like, how, how can you create a paper set and then, like, tack on alchemy afterwards? And then also adding, like, weird mechanics that don't really seem to help. So that's personally why I don't like it. Uh, other than that, I don't know, like, the economy thing. Maybe yeah. you don't want to do another format. Uh, people don't even like standards, so why would you like alchemy? Right? <laughs> there's, there's, like, that part of it, too. There's, there's many parts of it, but at this point, I feel it's kind of doomed just from general opinion. Uh, so even if it actually is good, uh, let's say the next set is actually really good alchemy-wise. Like I, I, think the the stain on the name of alchemy has already done it in, and that people will not play or try it anymore.
0: It needs so. it needs a rebrand or something at this point. I think it's just it, it's been it has such a such a negative reputation with uh, a big portion in the community that yeah, it's it's gonna be hard to actually get it back. I think you actually mentioned most of the big things. Uh, people don't like how we impacted historic. That was a big one. I will also say I feel like it's kind of failed at its original goal. Like when we first heard about alchemy and when people were hyped about it, kind of the idea was it was going to be standard, but like, fixed because it was going to change and we'd rebalance stuff all the time but in practice it seems like what's happened is it's like sort of standard but it has these really really pushed uh digital only cards that aren't in standard that tend to like rise to the top of the format and those cards end up being really expensive and then the rebalancings have most of the time been like here's this limited archetype like ninjas or something that we're going to take like some random commons and make them better and those changes don't actually like often make those archetypes good enough to see play anyway. So I think it's kind of failed at, its original goal, which was to be this, like, constantly changing, evolving, rebalancing, like Hearthstone or some of these other games where you're constantly getting these huge nerfs and buffs. If the card's too good, you just, like, crush it with a nerf and move on to the next thing, Uh, and you do that process, like, monthly or whatever. I don't think alchemy's really, really hit that. Like, you get the alchemy releases, but then the rebalancing some stuff are pretty tepid. They don't actually change the meta. So I feel like it's, uh, maybe it's just a... Like you said, maybe it's not well thought out. Maybe there's not enough effort being put into it. But I feel like the idea was good. The idea of like a standard for arena that changes more often was good. But I feel like it hasn't really hit that mark in practice. So on top of the economy and historic issues and all that stuff, I don't even know if it actually did what it was setting out to do, really.
1: Well, also, they they executed poorly, right? They should never give players a choice, right? Like it, it should never... Be alchemy or standard. They, they should have just flipped it all to alchemy if they truly believed alchemy was the future because Ooh. people don't like change, right? Like anytime, take favorite website you, you peruse. Anytime they update the user experience, everyone complains and moans. And if you gave them the choice, they would always use the old one. And then we'd be stuck in like Craigslist era UIs for every website we used, <laughs> right? If you let viewers decide, you know, if you let users decide what they want, right? But- you know, most of the time, if you do it correctly, after the transition period, which is kind of bumpy, right? People are like, oh, yes, right? You, you've used, like, the last 10 years of design knowledge and have improved my experience, right? Good job, right? Uh, you, you remember, something? we switched from Magic Arena or Magic oh, Online to Magic yep. Arena, so many complaints, so yep. many complaints, <laughs> even though we knew it was the future, it was better and everything, right? But it's just how transition periods work. So yeah. by giving the option to stick with standard most people just stick with standard so they really should have just forced us all onto alchemy and made sure alchemy was like rock solid like it was actually the future of magic and then i think we live in a digital only world but by giving us these two modes people just stick with standard and then complain about the new thing and then it sticks over time and then here we are right
0: Yeah, no, that is that is the way of the Internet and also of magic. So, yeah, maybe you're right. It's it's wild to think that they should actually shut down standard on arena. But if they were really confident in alchemy and wanted it to have a chance, maybe that's what they needed to do. And just like force players to adjust eventually, which going back to like the YouTube thing, that's, I guess, kind of what we did when arena launched. Like people complained and we're like, no, like this is actually going to be better in the long run. So we kept, you know, making arena content. And eventually those complaints went away. And now most people like arena content more than they like magic online content because it looks nicer so maybe maybe wizards need to be more
1: more forceful but speaking of okay, new wait, players are, oh go ahead wait are we gonna play lord of the rings though like how are we gonna play lord of the rings yeah. <laughs> we got we got it we got to go to historic right we gotta <laughs> uh, i guess we gotta like, play yeah. with alchemy cards is that our acceptance uh, is this how wizards wins us over lord of the rings <laughs> I mean, so you got Historic. You can play him in Historic.
0: You can play him in Historic Brawl. Modern, obviously, on moto, But on Arena, I, I'm going to be very curious to see. I still don't know if I'll play Alchemy. I really don't. My current plan is to play Historic with the cards. And I think that's the, that's my best bet. But uh, if this set doesn't make Alchemy, like, take off, then I don't know what will like you have this huge set of this huge IP only supporting this format. If that's not enough to get people like in mass to start trying alchemy, then I think at some point you just like write it off, rebrand it, try something else. Like if the Lord of the Rings set doesn't do it, I don't think anything's going to do it.
1: You soften it up. Or you play with alchemy cards in historic and be like, it's <laughs> not too bad. It's <laughs> not know? too bad. <laughs> Over he- time you get worn down.
0: <laughs> You know what they should have done and I would have loved this rather than doing what they're doing now with the rebalances and digital only cards they should have just taken and released all like the commander precons all the commander precons all those supplemental things the jumpstart cards we already have like 40, 50 cards that aren't in the standard set that come along with each set, those cards aren't even released on Arena. Throw in, like, all the supplemental products that some of them don't end up on Arena and make those Historic and Alchemy legal. I would be all about that format. And it would also help support Historic Brawl, which is actually, like oddly popular and growing on arena like i'm always blown away by how many people like watching historic brawl content like playing it to me that would be a really cool format that would i guess it doesn't solve the cost issue necessarily because that's still a bunch of like new rares entering the system that you'd have to buy but i think it would solve a lot of the a lot of the complaints that some people have had about the alchemy format
1: probably too late for that now but i'd be all about that just make alchemy like free to play (laughs) (laughs) like like if you if like you can play with any card you want, but if you want to queue standard, you have to own the cards, like something like that. <laughs> that would that would probably get some more people into alchemy, that's for sure. Right. Or like a rotating deck, like maybe every week you get like one meta alchemy deck that you can play for free, something like that. Like there's so many that ways is a good to idea. just it's it's not that hard to push people to play alchemy, but they're they're just not willing to do it. Like uh, uh, making all the cards free, like the <laughs> the alchemy cards free uh, is actually very viable, right? Like, you have to buy whatever standard cards you need still, but the alchemy-only cards are free would get people to try the format. Giving a a free deck or rotating deck or something would get people to play. Like, there's so many ways to do it if they were actually serious. I... I logged
0: into Hearthstone for the first time in like a year or something the other day and I logged in, up pops this like, hey, here's a bunch of free decks. Uh, You can play these decks for the next week, figure out which one you like the best and we will give you the deck. And I know we have like the new player decks or whatever on Arena, but these like had legends, they had the full on, like they were not quite meta, but they were definitely better than like challenger decks in Magic as far as like how tier they were. They were actually like pretty competitive decks. Decks. and it was just like hey you haven't been here for a while we're going to give you a deck because we would like you to keep playing our game and we know to notice you haven't been here in a while why can't we do something more like that like that to me i was like wow i might actually play constructed hearthstone because you're just giving me this legit deck to play why would i not try it but we Every don't really do that on arena like
1: a, a demo of their new thing right like anytime there's a new character or whatever there's some demo thing you can play with them or maybe a trial or something like i i, I think <laughs> what if at the beginning of every set release for like one day the full set was unlocked to you so you can yeah. brew to your heart's content like basically the creator program but for everyone yeah. early access you for everyone yeah. Your, your, yeah you lock in your deck list and then after that one day you go towards building the deck you like and you, you actually got some reps in and you know what's up and, and you know whatever right so yeah, yeah. I think there's many ways to do it rather than like Once a year, they give you like two pre-cons that you can play against each other in some (laughs) weird event and earn like 500 gold.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right? like, yeah. and There's
1: much better ways to do it than that, right?
0: And then we have rotation and it's like a 10 IRCs that are not re- individual card rewards and aren't related. Like, what, what is a new player going to do with that? Like, how do these 10 random rares, like, actually do anything? Like, give people a deck, give people something to play. So I think uh, Wizards could do a lot more there. And I would like to see them do it in general. But that would be a way they could probably make alchemy more appealing. If they're like, hey, here are these tier alchemy decks. You can have one for free or you can play one for free. So maybe Wizards will explore uh, more of that in the future future speaking of new players richard just quick quick question for you i mentioned earlier a lot of new players Uh, i've seen several reddit posts from people either picking up magic for the first time or returning to magic for the first time in a long time because of the lord of the Rings set and their big question is how do i get into magic i don't know what to do like where do i go what do i buy like there's so many products so many formats how does someone get into magic in 2023 what would you tell these people Richard? either a new or like returning after 20 years type of player who doesn't know anything
1: about the this era of magic you go buy a commander pre-constructed deck created in the last year or so (laughs) and then go to your lgs on commander night and jam games i think i think that's the true experience right the the alternate path is you download Magic Arena, but like it's so bad. like It's not... like When, when you go in the commander path, you're kind of playing the same game as everyone else. If you download Magic Arena and go free to play, you are not playing the same game yeah. as everyone else, right? And you need to know exactly what you're doing to get to the end state. So I think commander pre-con uh, is good. And then you have a basis to start upgrading and you know you get to see other decks every week and then you can figure out what you like and stuff like that. So I think I, it's got to be commander right
0: i wish i could recommend standard i wish the answer was like a standard challenger deck and then you go to your lgs and learn standard it's wild to me that a hundred card singleton format with cards throughout 30 years of magic's history is actually like the best way to introduce someone to the game, because Commander is just such a huge format. And you have so many cards and so many unique rules. Like a lot goes into it, but I think you're right. Like that's how I taught my little nephew to play was with Commander decks. Get a pre-con deck and teach him how to play Magic. I think that would be the the way to do it. And doubly so if you're doing this because of Lord of the Rings, like. Uh, where else you gonna play it in paper you're gonna jump into modern like that's a big jump for someone to like try to make your lord of the rings card work in modern is something i'm not sure i'll be able to do for against odds and making content like i would not recommend that to someone just joining the game but you can definitely pick up a lord of the rings pre-con and go to a commander event at your lgs and like have a blast and have people teach you go to a magic con or a command fest like people there i played against some some very new players this weekend who are just learning the game uh and it was awesome and people are like super helpful in walking them through it so I think you're right I think that's the direction I would point people to as much as I wish there was another question
1: limited used to be an answer for people
0: I think pre-release maybe I I would recommend a pre-release I think that's a very welcoming environment but limited's limited's tough I think limited is just like you also have the deck building aspect on yeah, top of the good,
1: learning to play magic aspect. Yeah. Even pre-release it's sealed and it's not easy to build a deck. You kind of want no. a deck built for you already. Yeah.
0: Jumpstart. Maybe jumpstart. Like that is also kind of the, supposed to be the intro the intro, you know, whatever product where you just open up a couple packs and can play. Although I
1: think I'd rather go commander over jumpstart overall. But that would be another is, option. Is kitchen table magic dead? Like 60 card, just random no format, whatever's in my shoebox, like <laughs> slap it together and go. Is that, has that been replaced by just command? Like, if you're gonna do that, should you just make it singleton with 100 cards and call it a day? <laughs> like, I don't think it's said. I bet there's a lot of people that still play that way.
0: Uh, We just never hear about them because you can't really make content for it. And if you're playing that way, you're probably not talking about it on Twitter or Reddit or YouTube. But I think I'd build a commander deck like if I was starting because that's how I first started playing. I think that's how a lot of people used to have started playing. We almost like would even play commander where we'd have games with like six people playing and everyone's attacking each other. But it was with 60 card like rules and yeah. decks. But I think I would just build a commander deck now if I was in that position. So, yeah, I think that's the way to go. Ooh, all right. Speaking of limited, Richard, Wizards announced a, a big paper tournament this weekend. Uh, There's been some talk about Paper Magic coming back. I was thinking it was going to be standard, but it's actually limited. At uh MagicCon Vegas in September, they're doing a $100,000 limited open. Uh It's like a three-day event. You get to play some sealed. And then if you make day two, you get to draft. If you make the top eight, you come back on Sunday, get to draft some more. What do you think about this, Richard? There's been a lot of talk about the price. Uh, you have to spend 65 bucks to get into the event. And then I believe it's another 160 or something to play in the limited open. So you're looking at over $200 altogether, 240 or something. Is that too much? Yeah, it's I, so I funny. I remember
1: back in the day when we paid $60 <laughs> to play in a tournament. Oh, that's a lot of money. But. I'm surprised it's limited. Like, okay, I I get, like, high-stakes tournament. I get high buy-in because, you know, costs. But why limited? Is it limited the least popular of all the formats? Like, (laughs) of of anything they could have done, like, is not limited the least popular thing? Uh... I,
0: I would have guessed so, but maybe it's actually not, and I underrate limited. I was surprised because they had just talked a lot about, like, paper standard, paper standard. We want to support paper standard. So I assumed this would be, like, a standard event. So it caught me by surprise that it was limited. There's 2,000 seats in it. I fully expect it will sell out. Like, is there any chance this doesn't sell out? It is Vegas, so you know there's going to be 10,000 people there or whatever. Like, I think it'll probably sell out.
1: But... It probably would sell out faster if it was like modern or something. Yeah. Else. Oh, I, I would I would think so. I mean, I guess the
0: the nice thing is you don't need a deck. So maybe limited is kind of like what we were just talking about. Maybe it's a way to try to let it be accessible to new players. You don't need a thousand dollar modern is deck. It's
1: even sweatier than, it's like the sweatiest format <laughs> ever, because you need to you need to actually know what you're doing, right? Like you need to know every card in the format. And you need to know how to actually draft right and you need to you have to play well as well like you can't just outmaneuver people with like your superior meta deck or with like reps on your (laughs) meta deck so i actually think limited is actually much harder it's it's more skill testing i guess oh yeah it's definitely more skill testing for the most like you know for the actual like trying to get like peak magic play in here this makes sense but it's it's always like the least popular of the format so i'm surprised but maybe this is just the first of many tournaments maybe the next tournament will be constructed or something where they they put the the big prize pool
0: yeah i mean hopefully we know that magic cons are doing what four year or whatever so maybe they're going to be attached to that and maybe we see some more slip into command fest or something but hopefully this is the the first of uh, of many in the return to paper magic do you think casual players should play this like if you're someone who's making the haul out to vegas for the weekend to have a good time like do you sign up for this or no like this is for the for the spikes okay
1: it's like do you roll up to the olympics and try to participate like this is like you gotta you gotta put your reps in you gotta you gotta be grinding you gotta be grinding arena magic online trophies whatever right it's like 100 what 120 160 for the tournament 160 for the tournament yeah i don't think you drop that for funsies because you're you're just gonna oh three drop or whatever right so i think you gotta you gotta be pretty sweaty to enter this one which makes sense it's a hundred thousand dollars on the prize right so although hilariously i saw some pros like
0: actually complaining about the prizes not being enough like they thought well we should have had a higher entry and like a five hundred thousand dollar prize pool would be more appealing to like the best players so they might have hit this weird sweet spot where it's like not expensive enough for the pros, but too expensive for casual players. But regardless, like I, I would be shocked if it didn't sell out. So if you're a limited fan and going to be in Vegas in the fall, definitely check that out. Uh, Richard, one last topic before fish mail standard. We had bannings two weeks ago. What
1: do we think of the, the meta now? How are, how are you feeling about standard at this point? Well, Seth, I haven't played any standard <laughs> since my one league. You're uh, one league. because we've been bombarded by Lord of the Rings, right? Who has <laughs> who's hype to play <laughs> with the Wandering Emperor? When we got like Frodo and Gandalf to talk about. We we coming we're coming off like a solid like two weeks of Lord of the Rings. Like I, I can't understand why anyone would be hype for standard. I, I'm more hype for <laughs> historic than standard, right? Yeah. <laughs> because of Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> so uh, but aside from that, people have been playing Standard. Mm-hmm. Control is back. crew would be very happy if he was here. And then that's about mm-hmm. it. Uh, so so <laughs> Control, <laughs> I mean, Control mono, is here, right? Mono, red, mono Red's
0: back, too. That's the other... Actually, the top deck on our metagame page in the last 14 days is actually Mono Red Aggro in Standard. Although, uh, it's a little bit weird because if you actually look at, like, the Standard Challenges from Magic Online, which are a little more competitive... Don't see a ton of mono red doing well in those events. A little bit now and then, but the last weekend, like, no, no mono red in the challenges. So, I mean, I think in some ways, standard is in a good place. Like, control's back, aggro's back, Rakdos is still somehow a deck that people play. Esper Legends is a mid-range deck. So you do have the rock, paper, scissors, although, I think this summer, yeah, Standard is probably going to be a bit overshadowed by uh, by Lord of the Rings. I think we're going to see people focusing on that. But I do think the meta is in a much better place than it was before. I I don't know if standard's like, you know, greatest of all time or anything. But compared to 50% of the meta being Rakdos or whatever, huge, huge upgrades. I've still been playing it a little bit. Like, Lord of the Rings isn't out yet. So I've still been playing some Standard, and I still have been enjoying it. I think it's uh, actually in a
1: pretty good spot right now. I perused the Reddit thread and I can summarize it for you. Yeah. Uh, every every match you get Sunfalled. Yeah. Sunfall's everywhere. And then after the Sunfall, you eat a Farewell for good measure. And then <laughs> our new meta is like, you do some random stuff and then a Traxa pops out. You yeah. do some random stuff and then a tally <laughs> pops out. <laughs> like that, that's the new meta. <laughs> Which I, I think kind of sums it up. Like people just complain about whatever the most popular card is, right? If Sunfall... It's just a five mana sweeper, but it's everywhere because we we're slow enough that you can play play a sunfall, right? But I think people are just bored of standard. Like <laughs> you you play a couple of matches and then you get bored and then you go complain about it, even though like it's not really that bad, but like you're just not interested in it. And I think I, I have a question for you, Seth. Do you think it's wizards marketing that's the downfall of standard? I know before every set was a standard set we'd get hype we would get we get previews we would think and brew about standard decks now yeah. we are brewing lord of the rings decks and we're brewing commander decks all the time even a standard set comes out we're looking at the commander cards in that <laughs> standard set uh and then we're also looking at older form i go oh, what's what's the next orcish boatmasters what's the next ledger shredder <laughs> and yeah. no one actually cares about standard that much do you think it's it's that like we're, we're too busy like watching Lord of the Rings, reading Lord of the Rings, like doing everything, like imagine you're a fan. You're like, oh, I got to watch the movies, got to read the books again to get ready for the set, right? Like you don't have time to play standard. You got to get hype for Frodo and stuff, right? I
0: I mean, I I know that watching Lord of the Rings ate into some of my standard uh, play time over, over the past couple of weekends. So yeah, I mean, I think that is a thing. I don't know if it's how much they could market it though. Like, do you think they could say something or whatever, create an ad that somehow got people back into standard? I think... I mean, I guess they could push it more, and I think they're starting to do that. But I think it's really, like, just so many so many other factors. But a big one is Commander. Like, Commander is just super, super popular, and it, we're just talking about that's the easiest way to get into the game. Why would you spend your time trying to play a format where you're going to get Sunfold every game when you could, you know, build a cool Hobbit Commander deck and, like, have some drinks with your friends and have fun playing it? So I, I don't know if there's really any advertising or messaging wizards can do that would that would really change the fact like standard's not bad right now and people are still complaining about it so i don't know if, if that's where we're at that's i don't know what they could really do
1: Stand, standard's always good for the first like two weeks after release and then it's over <laughs> yeah. and that's... then it's over <laughs> yep, no matter annotation. like what the actual contents of standard are it's over it could be the greatest format ever but it's already it's already stale <laughs> at that time right
0: yeah, I mean, that's partly just uh, there's not many cards in the format, right? So you're always going to end up in the point where there's like a handful of good decks and you play them over and over again. And eventually people get tired of that. Uh, yeah, they really should create a format that is like standard but changes more often, Richard, yeah, with rebalancing and digital abilities. only. cards. <laughs> that's the solution we should Fable, make a format Fable, for Fable arena it's just now a two mana uh, two one.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh, anyway i think those are all of our big
1: uh our big topics for today but do we have some fish mail richard all right uh if you have questions send them to at goldfish with the hashtag mgfishmail, mail and we'll get uh to your questions on air uh Power Player Sam, I'm scared that battles will be a one-off thing. Seeing as they were not in Lord of the Rings, do you think this is the case? There are a lot of battles in Lord of the Rings, Seth. Ah. Actual, literal battles, but there were no battle-type cards in Lord of the Rings.
0: I was shocked there were no battles in Lord of the Rings. I think we'll see battles again, but I think... The expectation for them to be in every set thing is probably not going to happen. Like, I think I think that's a little misguided. I don't think they're full on tribal card type, which we saw once and then just like literally never saw again. But I'm expecting it to be something where certain sets now and then they pop up rather than being the new artifact or enchantment or even saga that we see every single set. So, so yeah, I don't think they're never going to be seen again, but I don't expect them often. I do think do not having them Lord of the rings was a
1: whiff. What they're doing on that? Like, did they, they say it's, like, not a one-off or a one-off or anything?
0: I know they talked about how there could be other types of battles in the future, and these were, like, all siege battles, and there could be non-siege yeah. battles. So they've talked a bit about, like, things they could do with battles, but I, I haven't seen anything that explicitly said, like, oh, we're never doing it again, we're doing it so often, or whatever.
1: I, I think the only new thing that's, like, really popped off are, like, double face cards. And it, it still even took, like, five years or something. Right now we get double face cards, like, all the time uh but like any new mechanic like they don't they don't like hide it right but they they will bring it back sparingly i think like morph or manifest or something like you get the odd card here or there maybe (laughs) it comes back as a mechanic but like it's not like literally every set so i don't think we're going to get battle cards in every set but you know a couple sets from now maybe it's a it's a sub theme or or something in there so we'll get more cards but and even Battles are more Plains double faced cards, technically. Oh, yeah. Planes, one, right? Planeswalkers definitely changed the game. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Lord of the Rings battle. We, we need to make some custom Lord of the Rings battle cards. How did they <laughs> miss that? Like, the only thing I can think is, like, they
0: designed Lord of the Rings before they designed, like, March of the Machines and Aftermath, and the timing just didn't work out. Because I imagine with these, like... They probably got to get approval from the Lord of the Rings people and Tolkien. Like, I imagine designing a Lord of the Rings set takes longer than a normal Magic set.
1: Yeah, I could buy that. Plus, it's it's risky, right? Like, and it's complicated. Like, why add this new mechanic? And, uh, yeah, yeah. What if it what don't if it even flops? It is. Yeah, but yeah. Like, so yeah, I mean, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe they do like a secret layer. They could they could secret layer, like five battles, <laughs> of the rings or something. Right? That that could be a thing.
0: Maybe they do a Battletoads universe is beyond, and then you could have all the battles and all all the
1: toads. Oh my god, Seth. Battletoads so <laughs> <laughs> brings back memories. <laughs> so old. <laughs> so old. And classic. Oh man. Oh real. That, remember that movie with the power gauntlet? Oh, wait, that's what oh, we need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot what that movie was called. We got, we got we got, to go back. But all right. So those are our fishmail questions. If you have questions, send them to at mpggoldfish with the hashtag mpgfishmail. And we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode
0: 437 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit in Magic It Seed for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about our first impressions of the new Lord of the Rings set and whatever else goes on in the world of Magic. So, until then, have a great week, everyone. And this is a crew signing out.